0: One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. Have you ever
1: considered the
0: meaning of
1: the names of the various religions that fill this world? And there are thousands of them. I did say thousands. One estimate I saw said that there were over four thousand different worldviews, religious worldviews, on this planet, among the global populace. So we need to learn these various religious systems so that we can communicate with each other much better. Now, the meaning of the name of a religion is essential information because it usually identifies the founder of that religion or it identifies an extremely important concept within that religion that all the adherents embrace. And sometimes it's a reference to both of those things. And the first religion we're going to focus on is actually one that uh, brings forth both of those uh, revelations, not only the founder, but a concept that is the foundation of the religion itself. Buddhism is where we're going first. I believe you're going to be very blessed and receive many insights by this episode of Revealing the True Light. So, what about Buddhism? Of course, it's a reference to the founder, Buddha, but the name Buddha has a very insightful meaning. See, the Buddha was not always known as the Buddha. Originally, his name was Siddhartha, Siddhartha Gautama, and he was the son of an Indian Raja, and that kind of labeled him as a prince. He was of a royal or well-to-do family in his particular region, and because of that was protected within the family compound, but then at a certain point in his life, he ventured out into the world and saw what has been termed the four sights he saw an old man, a sick man, he saw a corpse and an ascetic. An ascetic is someone who practices extreme self-denial in order to somehow encounter or experience ultimate reality. And he was jarred from a self-serving mentality. He was 29 years old. And he went out into the wilderness to begin meditating in order to find the meaning of life and answers about what this world and existence is all about. Six years later, he claimed to have an enlightening experience as he meditated under the Bodhi tree. Supposedly, he achieved a place referred to as nirvana. Strangely, the word nirvana means blowing out, like the blowing out of a candle. And it references to the extinction of a self-centered, egotistical kind of mindset. And instead, you view things from a much greater perspective. And yet, it means blowing out because it it's like the extinction of the human personality you no longer identify as that human being with all of its limitations, but you see yourself on a much higher level. And that's when he became the Buddha, supposedly, because the word Buddha means enlightened one. So now you know what Buddhism means. Those who embrace Buddhism are on a journey. Their desire, their longing is to achieve this place called nirvana. Well, actually, I shouldn't call it desire because One of the tenets of Buddhism is to cancel out desire in your life. It's like a desireless desire to get free from the confines of the human mind and the limitations of the human frame and to achieve this higher state, enlightenment. But I would dare to say as a Christian that a worldview that promotes the idea that there is no creator God and that you cannot have a relationship with God, and that you do not have a soul, and all those are basic beliefs in Buddhism, is not enlightenment, It's actually deception. Jesus himself in Luke chapter 11 and verse 35 said, "'Take heed that the light that is in you "'be not darkness.'" And he said, if that light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? One of the deepest places of darkness a person can descend to is religion that is false. Because when you turn to religion as a refuge, then usually you think you've found the answer. And if you think you've found it and really don't have it, it's a deeper darkness than if you know you need an answer. Believing that you have the answer, but you don't have it, is worse than knowing you need an answer and you haven't found it yet. See, I was in that boat 50 years ago, back in 1970. I thought I had the answer. I was a student of an Indian guru. I taught yoga at four universities. I had several hundred students following my teachings. And then I had that transformational day where Jesus introduced himself to me and everything changed. And there are other episodes where I share that story in greater depth. Or you can go to my website, thetruelight.net, and my story is available there as a downloadable mini book. It's called The Highest Adventure, Encountering God. Or you can see the video presentation of my story under TV programs or in the podcast area and the video teaching area. So anyway, go there and get the details on how I was converted. But let's go to some other worldviews and what their names mean. Confucianism. Once again, the name of the religion, this ancient Chinese religion, is a reference to the founder, and that is Confucius. His name, according to some interpretations, means opening. It can also mean master. So, it kind of conveys the idea that it is an open door to mastery in life. But the majority of what Confucius taught was how to have proper human relationships, how to have respectful relationships and reverential relationships toward parents and foreparents parents uh, down through the family line. And of course that's good, but it's not good enough. Confucianism may have some valuable tenets about shaping your character, but it doesn't give you the path to eternal life. Jesus in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by me. Maybe you can find some decent concepts in different religions about how to live a more moral or a more fulfilling life, but this life one day will be over, and when you make the transition from this life to the next life, You need more than healthy family relationships. You need a relationship with the true and the living God. Let's go to the next one, Islam. The word Islam means submission. And of course, for a Muslim, that means submission to Allah, to his will, as revealed in the Quran. And in the Quran, you find something called the five pillars of Islam that are absolutely necessary to perform or to participate in in your life if you're a muslim if you're going to achieve paradise if you're going to be received into the afterlife in an acceptable way and so submission to a muslim means much different something much different than submission to a christian believer of course we have to submit the Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And there are other scriptures that talk about submission to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you cannot be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and submitted to Islam simultaneously because they are two incompatible worldviews. One of the greatest sins you can commit in Islam is called shirk, which is attributing divinity to anything or anyone other than Allah. And so a Christian is totally uh, an abomination in the sight of a Muslim because we attribute divinity to Jesus. We say that he was God manifested in the flesh. Shirk, utterly unacceptable, blasphemous in the sight of a truly passionate Muslim. And so the two worldviews are not compatible. Now, what are the five pillars of Islam? I'd like to share them with you out of my book, In Search of the True Light. I'm reading now. Uh, Yes, right here. The five pillars of Islam are the Shahada, which is the daily profession of faith that says there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Well, right from the beginning, a Christian would have to pull back recoil away from that because Allah is absolutely utterly one and as I mentioned to attribute divinity to any other but Allah is the worst of sins and that's so much different than the biblical concept of the Godhead which is Father and Son and Holy Spirit and these three are one God so to say there is no God but Allah would be absolutely sinful coming out of the mouth of a Christian believer. There's no compatibility. Number two is Salat, which is prayer that must be made toward Mecca five times a day. Number three is Ramadan, which is the month of fasting. Number four is Zakat, which is 2.5% donated to charity out of your income. Now, don't get the idea that because you're a Christian and give 10%, you should become a Muslim, so you only have to give 2.5%. And I say that tongue-in-cheek. And then number five is Hajj, which is pilgrimage to Mecca, at least once in your life. And there are some who are exempt from that if they're unable to go. But those are the five things you must submit to if you're a Muslim and you're going to achieve paradise. The next name is Jainism. Now, Jainism is not a very well-known religion, but I wanted to bring it out because the name Jane means a conqueror of attachment to this world. Now, isn't it peculiar that some of these names mean something within Christian vernacular that we want to achieve also? I want to be enlightened, but not enlightened to what Buddha was enlightened to. I want to go through the open door into mastery in life, but I don't embrace Confucianism. I want to be submitted, but I don't embrace Islam or a faith in the Quran, and I want to conquer attachment to this world. And the founder of Jainism was an extreme ascetic. He was extreme in his practices of self-denial. I weep when I read about Mahavira's story and what extreme measures he went to to try and find the meaning of life, and yet he never acknowledged the creator God. He never knew the personal God who says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And that's such a heartbreaking thing. When I see people so passionately devoted to their religious worldview and they're missing it, oh, that they had the insight into the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. The next name is, of course, the foundation of the Christian faith, Judaism. And the word Judaism comes from the tribe of Judah, because Judah was the primary tribe of all the 12 tribes of Israel. And so Judaism ties back to that name of that tribe. And I think it's interesting to see that the name Judah means praise, And that original name given to the son of Jacob meant uh, that I will praise God. I will praise God because of the son that was given. Now, I think you could translate that into a modern day setting where Jews are those who are passionately committed to give praise to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to live a life of praise to God praise to God by your actions, praise to God by your attitudes, and praise to God by the worship that flows from your lips. Well, of course, I embrace that because by virtue of accepting the Messiah, I have been grafted into Israel, and I want my life to be a praise to God. Sikhism. Now, I'm sure you've noticed uh, sometimes in airports or maybe convenience stores in bigger cities like Birmingham, Atlanta, or New York, quite often you'll see a Sikh who is taking care of that store or involves in some way at the airport with a turban around his head. Well, that's part of the religious clothing that is demanded of orthodox Sikhs. And Sikhism was an offshoot of Hinduism. Guru Nanak was the founder of Sikhism, and he did not accept the caste system of Hinduism Neither did he accept the multiplicity of all the gods and goddesses in the Hindu pantheon. But he did believe in one god, and yet his concept of one god was an all-inclusive concept, that all the gods of all the religions of the world are just simply different paths to the same ultimate reality, which he called Satnam. And those words mean true names. And that's the main designation for God in Sikhism Satnam, true name. But my question is, what is the true name of God? And the true name of God is, of course, in the Old Testament, the revealed name was YHWH, the Tetragrammaton, which is translated Lord over 2,000 times in our English Bibles. And it's most likely pronounced either Yahweh or Yahovah. And then the Yahweh of the Old Testament came into this world in the form of a man and his name is Yeshua Amashiach, Jesus the Messiah. So I know the satnam I know the true name of the true God and there is only one God. I agree with Guru Nanak, but I have a different slant of interpretation on that because I believe there is one God to the exclusion of all others. Not one God by including all others, but to the exclusion of all others. Now, what does Sikhism mean? The word Sikh means a disciple or a learner. Absolutely, that's the passion of my heart, too. I want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That particular name for God's people is found 256 times in the Bible. 255 times in the New Testament. So it's the most used name for a follower of Jesus Christ to be found in the New Testament portion of the Bible, a disciple or a learner. Well, life is a series of lessons that must be learned. However, to be a learner in Sikhism is to accept, embrace, and And inculcate into your life the teachings of Guru Nanak and all the ten gurus that ruled over well, I don't know that I would say they ruled over Sikhism, but they were the head of that body of believers until the last Guru, and he said, No longer would there be a human guru at the top of that particular religion, but their holy book, their sacred book, the Adi Granth would become their guru. And so to be a disciple or a learner in Sikhism is to embrace the beliefs conveyed through the Adi Granth. Well, if you read the Adi Granth, there are some commonalities with the Bible, but there are many contradictions as well. So yes, I want to be a learner. Yes, I want to be a disciple. I want the yoke of discipleship on my life, but I don't, turn to the adi Grant for my source of revelation i turn to the bible for my source of revelation and there you find the plan of salvation that includes jesus dying on a cross for the sins of humanity you will not find that in the adi Grant. it includes jesus the son of god rising from the dead victoriously you will not find that in the adi Grant. You find Jesus ascending to heaven and promising to come back again at the end of this age when the resurrection from the dead will take place. And you do not find that in the Adi Granth. So if you want to be a learner or a disciple, pick up the Bible and you'll find out what God really has to communicate. The next religion is Taoism, the ancient Chinese religion of Taoism. The word Tao, and it's usually spelled T-A-O-I-S-M, but it's pronounced like it's a D, D D-A-O-I-S-M. It's spelled both ways. It means the way. And it implies that if you follow the precepts of Taoism, that you will discover the way to a balanced life. And one of the primary concerns of a Taoist is balancing the dualities of life, that's what their emblem, their symbol represents, the yin-yang symbol, where you have a dark teardrop and a white teardrop fused together in a circle, and then a little white dot in the dark teardrop and a little dark drop in the white teardrop, and they're both in one circle, which represents the wholeness, of darkness and light merged together, death and life blended together. All the negativities and all the positivity, uh, positivities of light blended together. See, Taoism is all about the yin and the yang. And and that includes a lot more than I want to go into on this episode, but you can go back to one of my previous episodes where I teach on the yin-yang symbol. I'll, I'll put it in the notes on cpnshows.com. But see, life is full of dualities. You're going to face them from the time you come into this world. Uh, It starts with male and female, heaven and earth, nighttime and daytime, sorrow and joy, confusion and soundness of mind, despair and hope. All of these are opposite extremes. And to a Taoist, it's very necessary to somehow blend them all together. But where I depart from Taoism very strongly is they believe that the yin-yang symbol that represents their religion is also a revelation of ultimate reality. Because the concept is whatever brought this world into existence with all of its dualities must have a dual nature itself. And so in Taoism, ultimate reality is both darkness and light, both evil and good because that force, and it's an impersonal force, not a personal God. And that force manifests itself in this world in both wicked things and righteous things. That's unacceptable to me. And the only way that you can exit from that concept is to believe that there is a personal God who exists outside of this universe and he interacts with those that come to him on his terms, but he's got a pure nature. His nature is not both darkness and light, both evil and good. And so I do not accept that Taoism is the way because it veers sharply off the highway to truth. Because if you declare that the force that brought this universe into existence is both evil and good, that's heretical to me. That is beyond belief and beyond acceptance to me. It robs God of his integrity. And besides, I've already quoted it once, Jesus said, I am the way. And in the early church, the disciples in the very beginning were called followers of the way. And the way involved embracing the truth that Jesus, the son of God, can come and live and dwell in your heart. Ephesians 3.17 says, Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. And that's the way to be reunited with this personal God and to have eternal life. Let's go to the next one. It's not really a religion, but it's becoming a very dominant religious practice in the world. And it's yoga. And the word yoga means yoke. And the implication is being yoked with Brahman. Which is ultimate reality in Hinduism. And of course, Brahman is, once again, an impersonal life force that is the absolute reality in Hinduism. But see, I don't want to be yoked with an impersonal, cosmic level of consciousness. If I'm going to accept any yoke in life, I'm going to accept the one Jesus offered. Jesus said take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart. He said my yoke is easy. Well the yoke of yoga is not easy. I did it month after month for years. We had such a disciplined life from 3:30 in the morning till 5:30 at night. We were in some kind of yogic discipline chanting for hours at a time meditating for hours at a time reading various scriptures like the bhagavad-gita or the vedas for hours at a time trying striving struggling to achieve god consciousness the guru i studied under said it may take two or three lifetimes before we could escape the cycle of rebirth by achieving perfection jesus said my yoke is easy if you just submit to the lordship of Jesus, you immediately become an heir of eternal life. You receive the gift of eternal life. You don't achieve perfection. You receive the righteousness of God imparted to you. And then you receive the power to live a righteous life as an act of worship to him. It's a much different approach. And you don't achieve God consciousness by assuming certain physical positions or chanting repetitious mantras jesus said not to do that he said use not vain repetitions like the heathen do and so that's the yoke i'm going to receive and you achieve union with god or let me word it differently you don't achieve it you receive union with god as a gift when jesus comes into your life next let me talk about a few more rarely mentioned religions or they're not very well known One is Econcar. Now, Econcar is a new age group. It's headquartered up in Wisconsin, or or rather in Minnesota, I'm sorry, in Minnesota. And I've actually been to their headquarters and witnessed to some of their leadership and some people that were there from all over the world. And I told them about Jesus. Econcar means co-worker with God. Wow, I want to be a co-worker with God. Well, their way to do it is something called soul travel, where they uh, have different occultic, secret, mystical things to do in order to experience astral projection, to go out of your body and into the astral plane. That's not the solution for the human problem, going out of your body. The solution for the human problem is God coming into your body. And then, yes, I agree. With the meaning of that name, I don't agree with the worldview, but I agree with the meaning of the name, that you become a co-worker with God when you receive Jesus into your life and you become actively involved in promoting his cause and his message in the world. So, What about Baha'i, which is a, an extremely large religion? Baha'i is named after Baha'iullah, the founder, which means the glory of God. But you can't achieve the glory of God by mixing all the religions together, nor by saying that Baha'u'llah was a greater manifestation of God than the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, all that ever came before me were thieves and robbers, all that claimed to be the world teacher, were robbing him of a position only he had the right to fill, And any that have come after him claiming the same level of influence and authority also are not rightfully or legally or lawfully or spiritually qualified to fill such a position finally christianity christianity of course is named after its founder christ and the word christ means the anointed one because jesus was anointed of the holy spirit the power of the holy spirit was upon him and he announced his ministry in the synagogue at Nazareth with this statement. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim the opening of the prison. And so he he was anointed to bring deliverance from spiritual imprisonment spiritual bondage. He came to proclaim good news, which is the gospel of salvation, that you can be forgiven, you can be restored to a relationship with God. And if you follow Christ, you become a Christian, which means you too are an anointed one. The power of the Holy Spirit comes on your life to share the good news with others. Well, that's a good overview of different religions. There's others like Shinto, which is the religion of Japan that means the way of the gods. But again, those are false deities that do not exist. And the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. And Shinto is full of different deities that are worshiped in that religion. So let's choose the one true and living God. And let's give our hearts and lives to him. And then we can title ourselves with the name that indicates the one we're connected to eternally.